Hey everyone, and welcome to Plotty Time, the mini-sode. Uh, this is episode four that we're up to at this point, and it's just me today, Papa Scotch, talking to you about a topic. This is what happens in our mini-sodes. Usually uh, it's just me, and then I'll pick a topic, and I'll just, I don't know, blab about it for like 20 to 30 minutes. Just a way to give you guys a little bit more extra content. Uh, if you like it, please go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, go listen to the whole podcast with everybody, including myself, Papa Scotch, Dr. Scientist, and of course, Chump Slap, promoting, as always, slap culture. Hashtag slap culture. So, this week, uh, it, w- it was a weird week because I finished The Last of Us 2, and I really want to talk about it, but I think I'm going to save that for a podcast, uh, another Minnesota down the road. I j- like, it's just been 24 hours since I finished it, and I have a lot of thoughts about it that I want to think of, and... I there's going to be some shared on the next episode we record, but for the most part, I want to take time and like think about it a little bit more, really, before I get into a full podcast about it. Overall, though, I liked it. I my controversial opinion, I guess, is is it even really a game? Like, is it? It's just small little types of gameplay. Uh, you know what? I'm not even getting into it. Not going to get into it. We'll get to it later. Overall, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I played it. I would probably play it again. I'm going to play it again to get all the collectibles because, you know, you got to numb it, right? So I will play it again. Maybe I'll wait till after that second playthrough to get some thoughts together. Ooh, or maybe do a half and half, like two-parter. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And by we, I mean me. Tell me if you'd like to hear more about it. Maybe I can do a two-parter. I can just sit here and talk about it probably for a while. It's a pretty dense game. But anyway, let's get to the topic of today as I was playing The Last of Us 2. The one thing... The one part of the game that really got me invested, that really got me to care about the characters, really got me to care about the story, was the fact that it really did a great job of immersing you in the world of The Last of Us 2. Even if you never played The Last of Us, the original one, which would be very confusing. So confusing if you didn't play the first one. But it it does a great job of bringing you into the world of The Last of Us 2 and making you feel... As if you're, it's it, immersion. Immersion is the topic of today, and I want to talk about some games from my past that I played that really succeeded in the immersion aspects. And maybe I, I just want to kind of try to unpack why these games worked so well, as far as creating a world for you to go in and play. The first one I want to pick. It was actually the game that brought me back into gaming. I think it was. Jeez, 2008, 2009 maybe, I had been a big fan of the PS2 era. When the PS2 first came out, I was really into it. I played it a lot. Uh, went through GTA 3, Vice City, San Andreas, all, not as much San Andreas, you'll see why in a sec. Eventually I did get around to it, but that was pretty much all I played. And tour, I, I played a lot of Madden, and towards the end of college, this was 05, 06, I kind of stepped away from gaming for a while. I still, I bought a new Slimline PS2. The previous one I had, I don't know if I sold it or what happened to it. Maybe it broke. Maybe I tried to mod chip it and it just trashed it. It's very possible. <laughs> but anyway, now, yeah, it's funny. The, the news just came out. You don't even need a mod chip anymore. Great. I need to look into that. That's fun stuff. But uh, when I got 
the PS2, like the end of the generation when the Slim one came out and I hadn't played it much, maybe, you know, some GTA, maybe a couple other things, but nothing crazy as far as like something I can get into and just play for months and, or just play through a bank through a lot of games, whatever. And then once I got out of college in 06 and I was, you know, in the job, the real world, quote unquote, I didn't play many games. It just wasn't real. I wasn't into it because the PS2, people were stop, like stopped making games for it. PS3 had come out and there was the hype cycle and everything big about it. And at that time, like I was fresh out of college, had no money, like no fucking money at all. And then the PlayStation 3 came out, and I was like, that seems kind of neat. I wonder how much they are. It was like 700 bucks. It's like, fuck, no way am I ever going to be able to afford that. So, yeah, I didn't have 20 bucks. 700 bucks was ridiculous. So, anyway, eventually, I you know, I just, the PS3 came, and it was whatever. I kind of, I always, I've always been a fan of gaming, so even when I wasn't playing a whole lot, I wasn't playing anything on PS2. I, I wasn't really playing, I just, I don't know, I wasn't in the mood for a couple of years there couple of years I wasn't in the mood and then I got a real job got a little bit of money in my pocket and then I decided to go buy one I bought one with Grand Theft Auto 4 that was the first game I bought for it and was blindsided by the oh your PlayStation needs to update oh now the game needs to install oh now you gotta download the update for the game and I didn't realize it would take like three and a half hours when I first bought it uh which was fun now it seems so quaint <laughs> One gig downloads. <laughs> anyway, when I came back, got into it, and I played a lot of Grand Theft 4, and I fucked around in it. I played a little Call of Duty 4, messed with that, but nothing really grabbed me and made me come back until I played later that year Fallout 3. For those of you that have been living under a rock and for some reason have no idea what I'm talking about, Fallout 3 is a game that was open world. It was a complete departure from one and two. It, you could be first person or third person. You it, and and I didn't. It's such a crazy game because my friends kept telling me to play it. I think Doctor Scientist was actually telling me I had to play it. So eventually, I picked it up, like for forty bucks or thirty bucks or whatever. I started playing it, and the beginning of the game is very linear. It's an open world game. You have your main story that you go through, but you can always. Talk to people, pick up side missions at places. Sometimes you find a journal and it's and it gives you an idea of where a mission might be. It's very, very much choose your own adventure, explore stuff. Maybe you'll go into a building and kill 700 people and then there's nothing in there. It was worth, wasn't worth your time. Then sometimes you find a massive, amazing gun in a box under a blown out car or something crazy like that. But point I'm getting at, I got to reel this in, is... For some reason, something about that world, maybe it was the post-apocalyptic, it really brought me in. It really made me care. The beginning of the game, very linear. You're in the vault. Your dad escapes the vault for reasons you're not really sure of, because I think you're 17, 18, like you're a kid. And you decide to go after and find your dad. That's basically the story. The, the main part, the main idea of Fallout 3 is you need to go find your father. That's it. So I get out of the vault. I'm now in the game world, and there's no mission markers. Someone like said, hey, there's maybe a town close. You should check it out. That was it. Like I had no idea what to do. I was completely unprepared for this amount of freedom. Completely unprepared. Because at least with the Grand Theft Auto and those freedom games, they hold your hand or they tell you where to go for a next mission or give you something to do 
or at the very least, I mean, the world simulates your real world, right? Like, now if a Grand Theft Auto game came out, you'd be like, I'm going to steal that car and throw it at a rocket launcher. I don't know. And you have an idea of what that is like. But for Fallout, I just got out of the thing and I saw a wasteland in front of me with some far off structures. And I was like, I don't even, I don't, I don't, what am I supposed to do? And I believe I asked Dr. Scientist actually. And I was like, hey, what do you, like, what, what am I supposed to do? And he just responded with anything you want. So I got lost in that game hard, hard after I kept playing it. Even when I didn't want to, people were like, no, just keep playing, just keep it. And it emerged, like, hours just fell off the clock. Like, I just sit there. It's, I mean, the missions, yeah, sure, they have extra steps and extra ideas, and you could talk to people and work stuff out or fight or kill. And just having that many choices was so cool. The worlds were so cool. Finding and stumbling upon other people, going through, like, the DC Metro and finding stuff seeing all the blown out structures, like when you finally got to the National Mall and you could see that, it just, it grabbed me. Something about the characters in the environment, the design of the environment, the types of missions and things you had to do were congruent with the environment. It just all came together and it never made me feel like I was playing a video game. Like it felt like something I wanted to or had to do and I had to keep exploring. Also, Bioshock. Bioshock 1. Similar situation where someone told me to play it. I was big into first-person shooters at the time, so I figured, ah, it would be fine. So I played the demo. I didn't like it at all. Because the demo is only like the plane crash and you getting a wrench and hitting some people. It's not much to do the demo. And then a friend of mine who had an Xbox and I'd played it like years before, before it ever came out on PlayStation 3. He's like, I got it for my birthday for like from like my mom or whatever. Like, she just bought it blindly and gave it to him. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe you'll like it, whatever. And he said he played it and it was one of the best experiences of his life. So I kept playing it, fell in love. Same thing happened with Bioshock 2 and 3. So, like, all of them just drew me into the world of Bioshock. And I'm like, I'm in. Like, this is how my memories are now. This is what I think. This is who I am. I am these characters in this game. And... What I want to do is really take a second and try to figure out why. Why does why were those games so successful in drawing me in? Now you may you may be different. Maybe you have games like something, I don't know, Final Fantasy or or No More Heroes or maybe you were playing, I don't know, Ocarina of Time. I have no idea. Maybe you had a different game, but the feeling's the same. The feeling where you're playing the game, you're enjoying it, you're in this world, and then when you decide to shut it off or go to the bathroom or get a sandwich or whatever, you're like, whoa. It's like unplugging from the Matrix. You're just like, oh, what? oh yeah, okay, I'm back here. I was really annoyed there for a second. Jesus. So wh- why? Why, are these ga- why do these games do this? And I think a lot of it has to do with the entire picture of what the game is. And how everything is in service to the point. And what I mean by that is I'll use, I'll actually use a different game I didn't even mention. One that really got me immersed in the world were the Batman games. The new ones like Arkham Asylum. Arkham Knight, not as much. I kind of fell a little bit out of that. But Arkham uh, Arkham Asylum. The You had a character, Batman, who you know everybody loves. He's the vigilante. He's the guy that gets stuff done. 
And he's always unquestionably going after the bad guys. Like, always. That's just how it is. If he's not going after a bad guy, then he got duped somehow by a real bad guy. So, uh, I had a history with Batman. I was growing up in the... They used to have after kindergarten. So, this must have been, what, if I was like five? Shit, this must have been like late 80s. Damn. So, late 80s, I would get home from kindergarten it was the day i was a daytime class so i got out like noon and i would remember going home watching tv and like the 60s camp era adam west batman would be on so i knew about batman a long time and then i remember when the movie came out i was super excited because i was like it's a new batman oh my god and my parents took me to see the michael keaton batman which was 89 like that i was sick i shouldn't have been at that movie i don't know why my parents thought that was okay but (laughs) either way I went and saw it, and I turned out awesome. So, the Batman games, the thing, the reason I feel like they really did it is they had the character with the history. You had a host of colorful other characters, not just the villains, the bad guys who had existed. Some of them in, like, the new Batman cartoons. Some of them as far back, like the Penguin or the Riddler, as far back as the 60s series. Some new for this game. Some of them were from the comics, like Calendar Man, like an Adam Age one where they did a creepy, dark reboot of him. And it it was pulling all those reference points. It had a new take, a fresh take on things you were passingly familiar with. So you're kind of like, oh, you get that little bit like that dopamine hit of like that recognition. Like, oh, yeah, I remember uh, the Riddler. Yeah, he was kind of weird and stupid. Oh, now he's pretty serious. Okay, great. And they made the side missions, finding his clues. It was a great idea. So that was the other thing, is the characters working in service to the story is extremely important. The Riddler's uh, little statues, I don't remember if this was in Arkham Asylum. I think it was. But he was a side mission. Like, you could do it, you could go through the game and not do it. But you would have his collectibles, and if you got all of them, you could go attack him. That might have been in Arkham Knight. I don't remember. But the point is, they took these characters, like, like the Riddler... Uh, Penguin was in there and he had his own part of the world and they had the sense of familiarity they had the new take which could have gone anyway you know these guys are bad people and they still are interesting in situations which I find fascinating because how many times have we seen the fucking Joker and we still want to see him again crazy but that and the design of the game it all takes place at night it's in Arkham Asylum Batman is basically dumped in this situation and he needs to fix it and round up all the crazies and all this stuff. So Arkham Asylum is not just a jail. Well, it's a jail, but it's also a jail for the criminally insane. So obviously all the Batman villains are there. Makes sense. Everything made sense of why it was happening, why it was going down, why the characters were acting like they were, and you were Batman and had to fucking fix it. Add that to the fact that the combat system was at the time... It wasn't the first combat system to use combos and stuff like that, but at the time, it was fucking groundbreaking. Other people had done it, but it was such a finely tuned, good system of fighting where if you wanted to put the game on easy and just button mash square, you could do that and you could succeed and it'd be fine. Or you could learn all the different tips, tricks, combos, how to extend it, and you could essentially dominate everyone without getting touched. It was really cool that those options were there. I remember doing the challenges, and they were fucking tough, and you had to use, like, every single weapon. It was 
so frustrating, but it was fun. And it played, it was so tight, it played so well, and the design of the game was beautiful. Everything just worked together. There was never a moment that took me out of Arkham Asylum. There was never a moment where I was like, oh, well, it's stupid that the Joker did that. Or, oh, Batman wouldn't do that. Or, oh, the game's glitchier. Now it's daytime and I'm in a memory. What's happening? Like, no, it was all one thing. It was, And it was all service to the point. Now, we have a game coming up soon we're going to record for that I'm going to rip the fuck apart. You'll know it when you see it, when, when you hear it. But the immersion factor in Batman, in Fallout, and what was the other one I mentioned? Bioshock. They did it for me. Like I said, maybe something else did it for you. But the idea that everything is just so... It's as if everyone who's creating this game... And obviously, you're talking of a team of 100 people. Maybe 150 people. And you're talking about people that have extremely different roles. I mean, you have people that are sitting there and they're designing the fighting engine. How it's going to work how the combos are going to work, how to time them properly, how to make the animations look correct. Then you have people just getting the animations and just copying down movements to dump them into the computer. Then you have, you know, art design, who is sitting there and basically filling in everything around these physics. And it's amazing to see a project where everyone was so on the same page or... Well, if they weren't on the same page, you had a creative director that w knew exactly what they wanted, was a complete visionary, and knew the idea. Usually, you know, it's either one of the two. Uh, sometimes we have people like Suda51 who try to be that person and fail. Sometimes we have people like Neil Druckmann who succeeds with Last of Us. A bunch of different people. So, what... I look for really when I want to be immersed. Everyone wants that immersion. They want to be in the game. They want to not be bothered by the outside world. You want to escape, not necessarily just to escape, but maybe to just be like, ah, eh, my life's pretty rad. This game looks fun. Let's, you know, let's waste a couple hours having fun, which, you know, it's never wasted if you're having fun. So then that kind of brings us to the idea of, well, what's the future of immersion? I like talking about the future sometimes and try to speculate what's going to happen. And with Immersion, the next seemingly logical step is VR. Now, I'm a fan of VR. I have game, I have the PSVR. I play games in VR. It's definitely not my main method of how I play video games, for sure. And there are some VR experiences that were fun and cool, but it's like it's not really. You're not you're not showcasing me what this technology can do. But what I will say is it's much easier to be immersed in a world when you have that headset on, you have the earbuds in, all you see is you're physically in the environment. As far as your brain is concerned, you're there. And playing games like uh, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, that one was fun as shit just because you're sitting in, like, a, it was a carnival ride, like a, like a, like a haunted funhouse type situation, but it was all combined with a roller coaster. And... You were just sitting in this like this chair doing whatever, and it would be going up the roller coaster. And when it, you'd, you'd have shoot two guns, you'd be shooting. I'm explaining this very poorly, but you're on a rails. It's like an on rail shooter disguised as a haunted house thriller. And then the killer would jump out and you'd shoot him with the guns in your hands. You could see them. You reload. It was fucking fun. 
and then there'd be segments where you just like were on the roller coaster. And I remember the first time I played it, it went down like a big roller coaster drop, and I got that feeling in my stomach. Like it's as if my body was preparing for the insipid fall of the roller coaster, but it never happened. So after a couple of those, I got VR sick as fuck. I was so nauseous the next day. It's awesome. So it tricked my brain into being feeling like I was on a roller coaster, even though I was sitting in my living room on the couch, not moving. And that's amazing for immersion. But at the same time, what special things can you do in VR that immerse me in it, that make me disappear into this world and push the boundaries of technology and really bring everything together. Stuff like Russia Blood is a lot of fun. The Gun Club VR, which is just essentially a shooting range, that's fun. Like, I had fun doing that. But I feel like the future of VR... Like, we haven't even seen what the future of VR is yet. We haven't even seen what it's going to end up being. And if we can come up with some kind of technological way to not have a headset on, I think you'd sell a lot more people. But I, I don't even, I don't know anything about the tech involved with any of this shit. So, I mean, right now we're just shoving screens in front of your eyes, saying, here you go. Perceive depth differently. Great. So what do you guys think? Do you have a game, a feeling, an idea, something that really pulled you into it? Maybe it wasn't a game. Maybe it was a movie. Maybe it was a museum exhibit. I don't know. Some kind of piece of entertainment, educational or otherwise that pulled you in, made you feel like you were in the world, really immersed you in it. And then when you had to leave it, you're like, ooh, this is kind of weird. What was it? Tell us. Send us an email at plottytime at gmail.com or you can reach us on the socials at plottytime on Instagram and Twitter or you can hop on over to the YouTube channel and you can... You're looking at a picture of our logo but you hear us you hear us as if the podcast are playing just uh go like and subscribe stuff on there it'll really help us out but uh other than that i guess i will talk to you guys next time and eventually i swear i'll have my thoughts my ideas on the last of us too so take care play some games later